Hello, and welcome to the Flowering Lotus podcast. Today, I have with me Lisa Ernst. She is a Dharma teacher based in Nashville and a teacher and founder of One Dharma Nashville. And she'll be teaching a retreat with us coming in August in Covington, Louisiana. So we wanted to just have a little chat and talk to her about her retreat, what she's been up to, and what maybe you could expect if you attend the retreat with us. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. So I do want to touch on the fact that you just got back from Costa Rica doing a retreat there. How was that? It was wonderful. It was really uh, a beautiful place to be. Costa Rica is an amazing place. I mean, just the diversity of wildlife and and uh, flora, fauna, you know, just so much to see and so much to experience. And And the people there are pretty amazing, too, because they're really focused on natural living, sustainability. Uh, it's really a, a, just an amazing place to go. And we had we had a lot of um, meditation as well as adventures. So we really combined a retreat with an exploration of the natural environment. So it was it was a lot of fun. Great. That sounds like so much fun. Um, and so I know that you're the founder of One Dharma Nashville. Tell us a little bit about how that started and kind of like your journey into becoming a Dharma teacher. Okay, well, I started One Dharma a number of years ago. It was uh, after I had been in the Zen tradition for about 10 years. And so that was my home for a long time. But I started to move away from that particular tradition because I had become more interested in practicing in the insight tradition and learning more about really deep dive into the Brahma Viharas with metta, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity. And there was just more emphasis there. So I started switching over to that. And then I realized that I still wanted someplace to sit. And so I founded One Dharma. And it was initially just a handful of my friends and I sitting together. And then over, and it started to grow and started to get more people in the community. And uh, we just kind of went from there. After several years, uh, we started offering uh, residential retreats and we, we continue to offer, you know, specifically through One Dharma, a couple of those a year. We have uh, some classes, day longs, a number of other people now that I've trained are also teaching. So it's not just me anymore. So that's good. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, pretty engaged in the community in that way. And so you have a physical space, but then like post pandemic, if you want to call it that, you're still doing online meetings as well? Yes, especially our Monday night. That's kind of our main night. And that's the night that I normally teach at. And um, so we have a hybrid, you know, as many organizations experienced during COVID started to get people from outside of the, the local community and so when we went back in person, we certainly wanted to maintain, you know, those members and, and to keep keep the community intact in that way. And so we did start offering hybrid for Monday and the others we have uh, with with some other instructs instructors and facilitators. We have some local meetings that are strictly in person because, you know, some people just really love that in person container. So we're really try to offer a variety of options for people. And then when I do, if I do a half day or a day long, I usually will do a hybrid too, where people can come both in person and online. 
I love that. I feel like the pandemic taught us so much about like technology and the ways that we can practice. And I feel like for Flowering Lotus, it seems to me like we have like a half and half. So we have people that are into online and then we have people that are like I'll never do online and they just want to come in person and I think both are great and so I've been to your Monday night meeting but like if no one's ever been to it tell us a little bit like how people could come online um and then what does that feel like in the space of the meeting like your meeting setup because I feel like people might want to check you out come listen to a dharma talk and really learn who you are as a teacher before they sign up for the retreat. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing about the online offering is that we have a a community. So it feels in and of itself like a community, you know, so if you're online, there is an emphasis on that particular group, just as there's an emphasis on the in-person. And so the shared part of the practice is, you know, we start at seven and we all meditate together. I do a little guiding at the beginning. So it's about 35 minutes. And then uh, at 7.35, um, I'll transition over and give a Dharma talk that'll run till around eight o'clock. And then at that point we have a breakout. And so the Zoom group uh, does their own uh, discussion and it's led by one of, we have several facilitators who lead the online, the Zoom discussion. And, And then we have, the in-person discussion for those that are in person. And so then everybody feels a little bit more connected because when we initially started it, trying to sort of get the in-person and online all kind of synchronized during the Q&A was a little challenging, but by doing it this way, we've created a sense of community. And so that if folks are showing up online, there is a sense of community. And, And then after the discussion, which runs for about 15 minutes generally, then we all come back together for a guided meditation, usually a compassion, uh, meta guided meditation, and then our closing. And, and so it's a drop-in meeting. People just can go to the One Dharma Nashville website, click on the Zoom link, show up at seven and, and just join us. And then it's donation-based. So, you know, there's not a, a set fee. So it's, it's pretty easy to come in and join us. And so anybody who's not not local, not in Nashville, and even some people who are local, you know, do the online offering, but it, it's very easy to just join us in that way. There's no appointments or anything, and you don't have to get a Zoom link because we offer it right on our website. Yes, it's so accessible, and then I, it's definitely um, great the way you're creating that community because the the and and separating them out at the end of the meeting because that has been what I've noticed when people try to do both mm-hmm. is there's just you know a lag and it's not as like doesn't flow as naturally so mm-hmm. very good very great idea I've been a part of it and it makes so much sense and also just to say that the sharing is optional so you don't have to share if you don't want to I, I think so exactly oh, I think some yeah. people get get a little <laughs> bit scared about that <laughs> I agree. And it's always optional. Yes. Yes. No, no pressure there. That's right. 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 <laughs> um, but so tell us a little bit about the theme of this retreat that we're doing in August. And um, I think that at Flowering Lotus, we get a lot of first time retreatants. So mm-hmm. especially since we are moving over to Covington, this is our first time in this mm-hmm. location. I feel like we might get people from that area that maybe have never been to a retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, is this beginner friendly? Uh, and 
you know, maybe talk about a, a little bit about what your intentions are. Yeah, yeah, it's heart and wisdom practices for challenging times. And it, it is beginner friendly because it's it includes both the loving kindness practices as well as the mindfulness and attention practices. And so people can really uh, connect in with both of those practices. You know, I'll be taking everybody through very specific practices, some guided practices, plenty of instructions, Dharma talk, Q&A. There's lots of ways for people to be well oriented into the practice. And also, I think the length of time is very conducive to people who are on their first retreat because, you know, Friday evening through Sunday morning is enough time to immerse yourself in the retreat without it being lengthier where, you know, maybe you're not quite sure yet if you're ready to commit. So this way you can get enough of an experience that you can immerse yourself, but not maybe overcommit. And so I feel like that's very conducive. And I also think it's good for people who maybe have experience, but have limited time, maybe they can't get away. And so it's still gonna be um, a, a retreat that people can really kind of drop into and sink into no matter what their experience level. But I do think uh, for people who are beginners and coming to their first retreat, I do think this is a really great way to start. And, and it'll, I believe, speak to a lot of what people are dealing with right now and, and offer some very concrete and specific practices to help so that when everybody leaves, they have some tools that can really help them internally as well as externally. Yes. And I've been on retreat with you. So I feel like I can also speak to your experience and your um, expertise as a teacher. I feel like you have such, um, you're so knowledgeable about the Dharma, but then the way that you present it is definitely like down to earth and relatable. So I feel like you have definitely this kind of uh, intellectual side where I'm, Sometimes I'm like, wow, how did you remember that quote? This is so much insight to tie these two things together, you know, and I know that comes from experience, of course, um, but then also making it relatable to your real life stories or things that other people can relate to. And like you said, bring things home with them to be able to use later on. So I just want to say that I really recommend you as a teacher. You've been my teacher for a while, so I appreciate you coming in person to Flowering Lotus. We've been trying to do it for a while too. <laughs> I know COVID kind of changed our plans last time. That, yeah. you know, so it's nice to to have the doors back open again. Right. And just to, just to kind of emphasize one of the things you said, I really do believe in in really sharing my personal stories and my personal journey is a way to, to really bring the Dharma home and make it relatable. I just really want people to find that connection with their own challenges, their own struggles, as well as their own breakthroughs enjoys you know so just to to really bring it into something very meaningful and applicable to people's lives that's my always my intention yeah, yeah. and i think the last retreat i sat with you was a five day and it was for me very intense and i think that even with being in silence and not even knowing many people that were there I felt the collective group feel that as far as being related to what you're talking about. And then all of that coming to them as a personal, having personal revelations and really understanding that these teachings are applicable to all of us mm -hmm. in our daily life. So 
Can you talk a little bit about like the separation of like a retreat compared to like real life practice and how like we can use a retreat to make our lives have a little bit more meaning or, you know, use our practice to do that? Sure. Yeah. I think one of the the great uh, gifts of retreat is that we are intentionally taking time away from our everyday lives to really focus. And I think of it kind of like I've often used the metaphor of, of like taking a car and, you know, we'll take a car in for a tune up or and we'll take the car to get our oil change. You know, you could say we do the, sort of the everyday things to keep our car going, but sometimes we have to go in for say a 35 mile tune up or something, or, you know, we're, we're, in other words, we're doing deeper maintenance and I consider retreats maintenance for the mind and heart, you know, so that we're investing this time to really tune everything up, get our hearts and minds running in a way that that once we get that reinforcement and strength and insight, then we take it out and we have, you know, it's like that restoration and we have something that really starts to help us in the often overwhelming challenges of life where we lose that sense of, of groundedness or connection and having offering this time, I think, is such a great gift for going deeper into our hearts and minds and really seeing what's going on, seeing what the impediments are, and then finding these beautiful Buddhist tools to help us go back out into our lives. And then the everyday practice is, is sort of the support that we can do in our daily lives. But these retreats are like going in for a major tune-up and it just gets everything operating and running much more um, efficiently and effectively for for having both a spiritual life and just life in the world that we all all have. Thank you for that. I agree totally. When I first started coming to retreats, I I was very overly busy and some would say I'm still overly busy, but definitely so busy in the busyness of life that I really never took the time to have a contemplative practice or I never really realized how soothing and um, necessary it is to slow down and stop and really stop everything and have that perspective of looking at, okay, well, what is even happening? So I think I really used to be very stuck in like the tasks of life Mm -hmm. and not really looking at the bigger picture of things. So That's one thing that definitely Buddhist practice has helped me to understand a little bit more and try to practice in my daily life. So I appreciate you saying that for sure. I think that um, loving kindness and um, really the heart opening practices have been so helpful to me. Definitely. What's some of the practices that you feel like you resonate with the most? I know you mentioned the Brahma Viharas. Are there others that you feel like you'll maybe be teaching at this retreat or? Yeah. You know, there's several practices that I've found uh, really beneficial. You know, of course there's mindfulness, you know, that's sort of the starting point for most people is just, you know, basic attention practices and mindfulness. But as we go deeper, you know, the first foundation is breath and body, you know, which in and of itself can be an incredibly powerful practice, just keeping our attention at breath and body. But then we move into the feeling tones, these the sensations that are arising in our bodies. It's a powerful thing to explore, and it's called Vedna. And these are continuous sensations that are happening in the body, and then looking at how we react to it, and knowing that it's it's a 
a metaphor for how we respond in the world to all the input that we're constantly dealing with and we're not always aware of our responses. And the liberation comes from seeing more clearly what's actually happening in our mind. Like when are we you know, pushing out toward craving? We want something more because it's pleasant or we push away because something is unpleasant. And, and then we ignore what's neutral. And so there's a lot of spaciousness around starting to pay attention. And like in Costa Rica, it was really interesting because it was hot in Costa Rica. It was in the 90s and we were sitting in an open air platform. And so I said, let's work with feeling tones. We have lots of heat to work with and let's work with our response to how our bodies are working with and feeling heat. And as people began to become aware and non-reactive, it's like just relaxing into something. You know, we often suffer around resisting these, these everyday experiences that we have, and we're not even paying attention to it. You know, it's just, oh, it's hot today, or oh, it's cold. We're not aware of our deeper response and how we can get caught in suffering, even over something as simple as that. And then it can teach us about so many other elements of our lives that we might be resisting or ignoring and, and that opens us up to the letting go of the personal narrative around it. And that goes into this non-separation and teachings on emptiness. And I, I always touch on that in Buddhism. And it's really going to the teaching of not having a fixed self, you know, that is somehow separate from everything else. And one thing that happens is our mind settle in our practice is that self-narrative starts to wind down and we start to become more equanimous and we start to realize from the place of the heart that we're not separate and to me that really touches into a deeper experience of uh, compassion so that we're so that emptiness and compassion start to play together so these practices touch on the spectrum of buddhist teachings Wow. Yes. I mean, that's a lot to promise for one weekend in retreat, <laughs> but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> it, it. It will be done in a way that won't be like being inundated with, with information. It, it'll be, it'll be sort of an unfolding, you know, right. so, and the, and what the really, the, the beauty is, is these each practice in a way, you know, has its roots in the other practices. So even if we're focusing on meta, we can see the inter interconnection. We can see these, you know, so each one, you know, has a, a way of rooting into another. And so they flow. And that's the, some of the beauty of Buddhist teachings is that we get into insight into one aspect of a, a teaching or a practice, and it starts to open, open the door to other foundations and other teachings. And so that's kind of how it flows. What would you say about someone who isn't Buddhist and doesn't really know anything about Buddhism, but has heard about meditation and wants to learn more um, in the same way that I think flowering lotus meditation retreats are accessible for that shorter weekend time and the fact that we move around and we try to come to people where they are. Um I think we're in the Bible Belt, and so there's sometimes some trepidation Mm -hmm. around the fact that we're Buddhist. So what can you talk about a little, can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, I always think that uh, it's important for people to come in realizing that there's absolutely no pressure to take on any of the teachings or belief systems that don't resonate for them. And even Buddha's deep teaching, he said, try these practices out for yourself. You know, don't just rely on me, but test them out for yourself. And if it speaks to you and it works for you, keep it. If parts of it don't, then let that go. So there's such a spaciousness around this. You know, it's not indoctrination. It's not any kind of force. And the basic practices are a place to begin to explore the teachings, working with breath and body, working with the feelings that are arising, you know, working with with whatever you're dealing with in terms of, um, you know, trying to look more deeply into the way the mind is perhaps resisting the present moment or resisting experience and then looking at the 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 roots of that and so i think when we begin to do that there's just spaciousness that doesn't feel like it's a religion as much as it is a way of finding freedom from suffering you know even in little ways or bigger ways so that you know anybody coming in and just trying it out i think will really feel that it's a welcoming space for people of any background, you know, that just want to experience mindfulness, meditation, compassion, self-compassion, compassion for other these, so much of these things are really um, at the root of many, many different traditions. So it's, we have different ways of approaching it, different teachings, and yet there's a kind of, um, there's a, a kind of overlap that still exists with all of this that, that often feels familiar. People will say sometimes meta, so my, people say that meta reminds them of prayer in certain ways, you know, or there, there's just ways that it can overlap that that people often resonate with. Great. Yes, I agree totally. So um, I wanted to kind of let you in. I'm not sure if I've told you this yet, but one great thing about the fact that we have your um, retreat on our website and mm-hmm. the whole schedule is listed. So there's kind of a framework of what we'll be doing so that if anyone wants to know what a retreat looks like, it's all spelled out on our website. Mm -hmm. But another great thing is that we have the ability to allow someone to register with a down payment and then you can pay gradually. So it's not something that you have to pay all at once. Mm -hmm. And that's an option at checkout. So it makes it so that, you know, if you you can choose whatever deposit you want to put down and then monthly you'll get an email saying, don't forget to pay something on this until the point of the retreat. So Mm -hmm. that allows for a lot of time right now to be able to pay gradually. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we have the ability to commute. So if someone is local to Covington, Mm -hmm. even um, I feel like Baton Rouge might be a little bit too far, but um, there's several people that are, you know, living in smaller towns right around there. So the commuting is an option. And then um, I wanted to also share with everyone the type of retreat uh, space that we'll be in is actually used sometimes for weddings. So it's a bunch of different little cabins where each a person will be staying, or if you don't have a private room, have a roommate in a cabin, they're all redone. So they really are made to look rustic, but in the pandemic, almost all of them were remodeled. I think all of them were remodeled and have this kind of like galvanized metal corrugated 
inside for walls, but it's brand new, you know, so it's kind of made to look like it's more rustic than it is brand new, you know, bathrooms in each of them. And, um, there's a pool and, uh, a little, um, actually a huge covered pavilion. So it kind of reminds me of what you were talking about in Costa Rica. Like there's no air because it's all screened in. Uh Um, so we're going to go from, uh, 90 in Costa Rica (laughs) to (laughs) 90 in, in Mississippi now, hopefully it won't be that hot, but, um, Mississippi in August, it's not going to be, it's not going to be cool. I know that much. Probably not going to be cool. Yeah. Is yeah. it, is there an indoor meditation space? And there's too? an indoor, okay, yes. Okay, so there's an, an air indoor. conditioned space. Yes. So people yes. don't yes. have to sit outside and sweat. Yeah. Okay, good. So there, yeah. Be- I kind of imagine okay. the pavilion, it could be a great place for like group walking meditation that oh, we did yeah. at the last retreat, just mm-hmm. being outside and doing, it's v- really big. Um, oh, no. And then there's uh I feel like then there's a separate meditation hall, what we'll call the meditation hall. And then there's a separate um, dining hall. So it's a lot of different buildings on this um, area. So definitely some areas for walking meditation in grass. And um, I I think it's going to be neat. It's going to be a different um, setting for sure. Sort of like Southern Dharma, except for not the beautiful vistas off the mountain, but as far as having lots of little different buildings, it reminds me of that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, right. Different places to be. And that that one thing we hadn't mentioned, but I do think it's important. The walking meditation, such a great practice and such a part. I do put emphasis on that. And it can be a very grounding, soothing practice if people are new to that. Um, there's, There's this practice where we just mindfully walk and really connect to the earth and connect to the present moment. So uh, I feel like that's a very supportive part of the practice too. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I sometimes have an aversion to walking meditation. And so I really enjoyed doing it in a group when we did that um, at the last retreat I went to with you, because I feel like it made it more of a connection between everyone, even though we weren't really talking to each other, you know? Right. Yeah. The Thich Nhat Hanh, it's kind of a Thich Nhat Hanh walking meditation. And I do that at every retreat. And most everybody that has feedback will say they love the sense of connection with the group walking together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. it really, really helps them to click into that walking practice. Yeah. Great. Well, do you have any questions for me about this retreat or about Flowering Lotus? Mm, gosh. I can't think of anything. I'll just say I really appreciate the mission of Flowering Lotus and how you really emphasize making retreats accessible to everyone. You know, not all retreat centers are, some of them are quite expensive. And it, and while often scholarships are offered, I do feel like Flowering Lotus has a really, really solid emphasis on, on this. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, making it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to end with a random question that I'm pulling from a box. So let's see what we come up with. Um, let's see. Okay. What lesson took you the longest to unlearn? What lesson took me the longest to unlearn? Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, just a really loaded personal question at the end. <laughs> yeah, right, right. What took me the longest to unlearn? You know, one of the ones I talk about a lot 
is, you know, this idea that I had for years of striving to achieve some sense of, of connection outside myself that I wasn't quite worthy of any kind of joy just on my own, if that makes any sense. And so I kept thinking that to me, the lesson that I kept believing was going to resolve it for me was to seek some something outside myself that I had to have. And so for a long time, it was like a relationship. And it was something I pursued for so very long, thinking, well, this is what's going to complete me. I'll make me a better person, et cetera, et cetera. And I just kept hitting a wall again and again and again. And I kept suffering. And, and it didn't work. It's almost as if the very effort to fulfill something was keeping me from happiness. Like there's a, a quote somebody said, the, it's the, the thing that you think will make you happy is what's making you unhappy. It's that one thing that we think we must have out there somewhere or in here somewhere that that's where the happiness will be. So it's always over the horizon. And so it was only when I let go of that idea, that belief system, that I actually started to find happiness where I was. It doesn't mean that connection isn't important. It is, you know, and, and, but finding that fulfillment right where I was, was like something that was a revelation to me because I just kept thinking, no, it's not possible. And the Dharma helped me with so much with that, you know, just through the practice and the sitting. And then I felt like once I saw that, I've been far more capable of connecting in a more authentic way, not looking for that feedback or fulfillment outside or that acceptance. You know, that made such a huge difference in my life. Wow. Thank you for that gem of wisdom, for sure. I appreciate you so much sharing that with us. And I want to say thank you for agreeing to teach with us in August and if people can't make it to your Monday night meeting, um, I know you have a SoundCloud and um, we could listen to some of your Dharma talks there as well. Is that the best place for people to kind of do their own little research about your teaching style and get to listen to a Dharma talk from you? Yeah, definitely. The Monday SoundCloud. Night? Mm -hmm. Yeah, SoundCloud, Lisa Ernst Meditation. Um, I tried to, there's, unfortunately at this point, there's a lot of Lisa Ernst on SoundCloud. Probably the thing to do is just go to my website, lisaernstmeditation.com, and there will be a listing for SoundCloud. It'll show you in the resources section, and then you can just go there, and there's there's lots of Dharma talks. So I put them up. I'm adding them regularly. So that is a good way to connect with my teaching style. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad that we have so many ways to connect with you before August, and I can't wait to retreat with you in Covington, Louisiana, coming up. And just to let our listeners know, that is about an hour from New Orleans. So if you flew into the New Orleans airport, we have lots of Sangha members and lots of people from coming from New Orleans. So even if you were to fly into New Orleans and not rent a car, we can get you to the retreat center. So we do ride shares and we try to make it very um, helpful and accessible in that way. If you reach out and let us know that we need to pick you up at the airport and get you to the retreat center, we will. 
and we will get you back to the airport or wherever you're going after. So we really want to try to make it so that anyone who wants to come can. And I appreciate you saying the part about um, us trying, we're, we try to be as affordable as possible so that that is possible. Flying in, um, I just booked some flights that are next month regionally and it's pretty affordable southwest mm-hmm. flies into new orleans so um that's a good option if anyone from outside the area wants to come in so and let me mention too that you'll be doing a dharma talk at sama studio um that's going to be on the thursday night before the retreat and we'll post more about that um coming up all the details in the times but offering uh an opportunity to come do it to come sit with you and do a dharma talk just that thursday night if they're unable to come to the retreat mm-hmm. or they can do both so they'll have you both times <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me and talking a little bit about this and i am just so excited to get to be with you in person soon me too looking forward to it very much thank, thank you. you so much We can't wait to practice with you during Heart and Wisdom Practices for Challenging Times with Lisa Ernst. To sign up for this retreat being held at the Rivers Retreat in Covington, Louisiana, August 25th through the 27th, go to our website, floweringlotusmeditation.org. You'll also have the opportunity to practice with Lisa if you're local to the New Orleans area. You can visit samastudio.org and attend her Dharma talk that will be happening August 24th at Sama Studio. Sama Studio has been a gracious partner with Flowering Lotus Meditation, allowing our Dharma teachers to have another opportunity to share the Dharma with the community. Sama Studio is located at 7011 St. Claude Ave, number 213 in Araby, Louisiana. And what's great about Sama is they usually offer the Dharma Talks digitally, so you can sign up on their website and attend via Zoom if you're not local to the New Orleans area. Deep bows of respect for everything that Sama is doing. They are a donation-based yoga and Dharma center, so be sure to check them out when you can if you're especially if you're local to the New Orleans area. Lisa's retreat is filling up fast, so again, visit floweringlotusmeditation.org to sign up for this retreat. We look forward to practicing with you soon.